Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President of Professional and Educational Development at the University of Louisville's Health Sciences Center. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Professional and Educational Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Health Professions Education. Once a week, we'll come together and use this podcast to bring professional and educational development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Welcome to Faculty Feed. I am very excited today because we have two wonderful guests Uh, with us. We have Dr. Will Abshire. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Comprehensive Dentistry at the UofL School of Dentistry. So welcome, Will. Thank you. Glad to be here. And we have the uh, amazing Dr. Russ Farmer. He is an associate professor of surgery uh, and the assistant dean of clinical skills at the UofL School of Medicine. Welcome, Russ. Glad to be here. Always a highlight. It might be helpful, Will and Russ, tell us just briefly what your roles are at UofL. So, uh, you know, as Stacy said, I'm an assistant professor uh, at School of Dentistry. I have two major roles, the first one being um, I'm one of 12 clinical team leaders at the school, so I'm responsible for third and fourth year students um, completing their clinical education. Our goal is to produce competent and confident general dentists, so that's that's most of my, my day-to-day work. Um, I'm also a course director for a preclinical course in the second year that's pain control and anxiety management, so that's learning all about local anesthetics and then learning how to administer them. My role at the School of Medicine, I have uh, two primary hats I wear. One is as a clinician and teacher of clinical medicine. Um, So I'm a colorectal surgeon specializing in things like uh, colon and rectal cancer, inflammatory bowel disease, that type of thing. Um, Do a lot of uh, surgery and surgical teaching related to that. My second hat is as the uh, assistant dean for clinical skills. So what does that mean? Uh, That means that kind of like Will, I'm in charge of the curriculum uh, for third and fourth year students every time a student interacts with a patient whether it's real or uh, fake in terms of simulation uh, it's my job to make sure that they have a maximized educational experience with that today you don't want to miss this because i have entitled this episode don't you already have a terminal degree and the reason why is because these two gentlemen are getting ready to graduate with an extra degree on top of their terminal degree. They are going to graduate with a master's in science in health professions education. And so today we are gonna talk with these gentlemen and figure out why in the world did they take this on and what's the benefit to them, what's the benefit to their learners, and just figure all of this out. Health professions education. I was just gonna start with a quick overview. So here at the University of Louisville, we have two graduate programs in health professions education. One of them is a graduate certificate that is a 12-hour or four-course program. It can be completed in one calendar year. We also have online versions. We also have a 33-credit Master of Science in health professions education. Both of those programs are administered in the College of Education and Human Development and works hand-in-hand with our department here in the Office of Faculty Development to put those programs on. These two gentlemen with us today are going to be our very first graduates of the master's program. It sounds like you're pretty busy with all the, the, the roles that you just described that you're doing at UofL. 
you already have your terminal degrees, you've been in faculty roles for a bit, why would you go back to do a master's degree? I mean, so for me, as someone who is, you know, primarily charged with making sure that our medical students are receiving the quality education, I view it as almost compulsory professional development for myself. I can't provide the highest quality education for my students if I don't know what a high quality education looks like. While so many people that are practicing physicians out there have been through numerous years of education to get to where they are, no part of that is directed toward being an excellent educator. Virtually no other world do we have people that are assigned educators without dedicated educational experience and development. You graduate from medical school and you're considered to be good enough to teach someone below you. You're a resident, you teach a medical student, you're a faculty member, you teach a resident, etc. My view of that was if I'm responsible for making sure that all these people are receiving a quality education, I can't just show up without any sort of knowledge about that. And so I took it uh, as a personal mission to develop myself so that that way, not only could I at least know what I was talking about, but provide a quality education for the people that I'm teaching. And also, um, another part of my role is leading multiple educational um, groups and, and that type of thing. So knowing how to do that appropriately, they turn to me as the expert educator. So it's my job to have that expertise. And so this was a really great way for me to get that expertise while at the same time being kind of compliant with that significant clinical and administrative job that I have outside of that. I have a similar take as Russ. I don't think I'm quite as responsible for educating quite as many people or, or, or teaching people how to educate, or at least not yet anyway. Like Russ mentioned, I feel like I had an obligation to uh, my students to try to find out more about how to educate them and, and give them the best experience they can have in, in dental education. I wanted more knowledge and a skill set to do my job better. Both of you guys started out with our 12-hour HPE certificate program. The master's didn't exist at that time when you guys started. How would you compare, let's, let's go ahead and ask, how would you compare programming that you experienced that was purely HPE versus uh, the other courses that are more or less housed within the College of Education? For me, you know, the, the certificate courses were very focused on healthcare and teaching in the healthcare setting. The master's courses, not all of them were geared toward that. However, there was a lot of useful um, information to be gained from that. And my personal experience is those courses had a little more rigor in terms of required readings and writing assignments and that sort of thing. But that's to be expected. I mean, we're talking about a master's degree, not a certificate. Mm -hmm. So um, that was my experience, but it was doable. And um, my biggest takeaway for anyone considering it would be um, don't take two eight-week courses together. <laughs> that's a wonderful recommendation. I did that once. That, that's one of the most frequent questions we get is like, how much time yeah. is this going to take? And, and Stacy and I, we completed the certificate 
graduate certificate as well. So we, we have a lot of context to the um, the HPE course, uh, HPE grad certificate courses, but it's hard to put it in perspective. But it's good to hear that it is doable, but maybe don't double them up. Yeah, it's doable. And, you know, I was able to balance my work life and home life and, and still get things done and not be uh, tied to my laptop all weekend every weekend yeah so you know there's a balance to be had there and it's completely doable yeah i I think that the one of the biggest contrasts for me was that the college of ed piece kind of it served it's a kind of it was the completion of um, a lot of the things that we discussed as part of the certificate program in terms of you know things like educational philosophy how do you develop your own educational philosophy not necessarily in terms of healthcare philosophy but in terms of education overall and it um, it also serves um, at least to me um, some sort of a, a professional identity development part um, so it solidified to me you know that I am an educator in addition to being a doctor and a you know bedside clinician and all those other sort of things and so it helped me gain a sense of legitimacy in the role that I occupy and you know potential roles to come in the future so that part of it certainly made me feel you know just better about you know the quality of education that I'm offering and in terms of doability it's eminently doable. Um, I took two eight-week courses at once. I think I took different ones than Will because I found that a little bit more doable um, to kind of double down and, and execute the coursework without um, significant you know, work-life impingement and that sort of thing. Um, so I think it kind of depends on the number of assignments and the classes that you take and that type of thing, like anything else. I think that eight-week period, it's just long enough to where you get into the course and if it you can start to be like, oh, it's it's you know we got this project coming up. Oh gosh, okay, I'm in it. I'm in it, and then it's done. Yeah, it's enough to uh, to keep you busy, but not enough to weigh you down the entire semester if you've got a lot going on. Because you gotta want to do it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't want it, it's gonna be horrible and difficult. But you gotta want it. I've had so many colleagues say, "Why are you doing this? What what is what is this gonna do for you? What do you get from this?" And I'm like, "Well, I I get a degree first of all, but I get." <laughs> education and I get knowledge and I get to grow uh, personally and professionally and that's that's what the mindset you need to have it's not what is this going to do for me well it's what is it going to do for you and hopefully if you're focused and really want it it'll do a lot for you and your students so I, I think one of the biggest things that um, it has helped me to learn is how really to approach the educational things that I've been doing already from a much more global and scientific standpoint. So for example, I'll be in a faculty meeting and they'll say, well, the trainees need to do insert thing that the faculty has created this week for the trainees to do. That's not really part of an accreditation standard, but they think that that the trainees need to do for, you know, historical context or whatever the, the reason is. And before I would kind of, you know, either silently or vocally assent and say, yeah, it's probably a pretty good idea. And now I turn and look at the person and say, great, what's your gap analysis on that, right? (laughs) What does your needs assessment for that look like? And based on what needs assessment do you say that the trainees need to do that? Okay, what portion of your curriculum do you need to remove in order to make room for this new curriculum? Because we can't just add, we have to add and also take away because there's only so many hours in the curriculum for that to exist. And so, 
I'm not trying to be hard-nosed about what someone's saying. Rather, it adds significant veracity to what you're bringing to the table. And it also, that veracity comes from being grounded in educational science. So there is hard scientific research behind every single one of these course offerings, all the way from something as simple to writing a syllabus and helping you develop learning objectives to an entire curriculum revision that you might do as the terminal part of this degree. So what you end up with is a foundation of knowledge that you can bring to any learning environment that you encounter, whether it's simulation or bedside teaching or anything in between. So I like what you said there because what the description you had there, Russ, to me was developing your professional educator identity, right? You're developing yourself and saying, I am an educator, I'm a surgeon educator, Will, you're a dental educator. So how would you say your um, educator identity has evolved? When I started, before I took any courses, you know, they ask you to teach a course, and you think, well, how was I taught? Well, stand and deliver (laughs) and sit there for two hours and listen and take notes, and that was it. So I think it made me think about my students, who they are, where they come from, what their needs are, as adult learners um, and to kind of hone in on that and tailor my teaching to what they need. It's not about how I want to do it or what I think is best. It's, it's, it's what they need and how to get them the knowledge they need. Yeah, before, if you'd asked me, before I started this coursework and certainly before the master's degree, if you'd asked me what my job was, I'd say I'm a surgeon who educates. And now I say I'm a teacher that operates. And it's really caused me to have a significant frame shift in the way I view my role as a member of the university. And um, I consider myself somewhat facile in the operating room. I'm not the best operator or surgeon in the whole world by any stretch of the imagination. I do okay. One of the things that this has done is it has um, solidified my technical and um you know, relationship competencies as an educator to the degree at which I had that as a clinician. So I feel just as, um, you know, board certified as a medical (laughs) educator as I do as a surgeon now, Um, or will at least this coming December when I graduate. Well, I mean, Will, you talked before about, you know, yes, you get this formalized degree around that. And I think that is an important piece of this program because, you know, these aren't secrets that we're teaching. There, the information in, in the graduate certificate program and the, the master's degree are, are available out there if people wanted to go teach themselves. But what's nice is you have experts who are curating the content, you know, especially with the uh, graduate certificate specifically to health professions education um, or, on, or relative to the Health Sciences Center. Uh, but also you get this formalized degree at the end so you can point to the expertise, the time that you spent. You know, you could go to our Educator Ground Rounds, you could learn on your own, you could go through the modules, but having this formalized degree lets you point to that expertise. And if you needed to go somewhere else, out, out external from U of L, you can then point to that as well. You've both talked about different ways that you've applied some of the training that you've gotten from the, the master's program. Do you have any feedback from, from learners or colleagues 
Yes, I, I, I very much do. You know, when I had finished the certificate program, it was spring 2020 and the world was upside down. <laughs> and I teach a summer course and it was hurry up and get your course ready for online content. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of panicked and thought, I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I took a step back and I started thinking about some of the things that you all had taught us in the certificate program. And I just sat down and started to go at it. And I put together you know, these, well, I call them mini modules, but I created, you know, little bites, eight to 12 minute lectures um, in Panopto with um, the embedded quiz questions. I don't know if you guys have used yep. that feature, but yep. I love that. And I got great feedback on that from the, from the learners. But anyway, I, I gave it my best shot and um, delivered the course that way. Um, my reviews that I got the following fall were just off the charts. I was blown away. And, um, I think I enjoyed over a 90% response rate, first of all, from the class, wow, which is huge. <laughs> and I, I just, the, the positive feedback and outpouring was just the best feeling ever. It's like, okay, I've done something right, finally. And, <laughs> and you know, what I've learned has paid off. And that was my fuel, honestly. I was ready to be done. I didn't think I was going to do the, the MS. I thought, you know, I'm done. Once all of that transpired, I was like, nope you're going to keep going because this is a good thing and it's benefiting you and it's benefiting the students. So I think for me, um, it's a little bit more uh, by the nature of my role, a little bit more global. And while we've continued to have, um, you know, good reviews from students and, and we've uh, seen a lot of kind of similar things, I think the biggest note for us has been in the fact and you hate to use standardized assessments as a stick and I've learned better as a course as a part of these this coursework than to use standardized assessments as a stick but um, that's the measuring stick I have so I'm gonna use it anyway um, you know in this leadership role we've been able to um, work with our students and the people that are teaching our students on a day-to-day -day basis to improve the quality of education that they're getting and um, I give full credit to the clerkship directors that I work with every day because um, through their hard work and the hard work of the rest of the clinical faculty, we have seen the remaining single scored standardized assessment um, in a group of students that traditionally do not perform well go to exceed the national average over the course of a two-year time frame. And it's been a direct line straight up. And I don't you know, use that as my only metric. Um, all the qualitative assessments that we have are significantly better but just on a personal note the day-to-day -day teaching interactions that I have are of such higher quality now than they were three years ago I can't even begin to describe it something as simple as grand rounds like I would give grand rounds before and I would stand up and I would give this you know dry milk toast lecture and I would give it enthusiastically because I'm excited about my topic and half the people would be on their phone and the other half of the people would be asleep and now um, I have students come up to me at the end of the lecture. Now, the faculty don't come up because they're not interested in what I'm talking about. They're interested in whatever they're in. But, you know, the students come, come up at the end of the lecture, and they'll stop you in the hall like, oh, my gosh, that was so good. Can you come talk about whatever? It's like, well, I'm not really good at vascular surgery. I do intestinal surgery, but I could try to give you a lecture on that if you want. Um, but the point is, is that even something as simple um, as a straightforward hour-long didactic can be so dramatically improved by these skills that um, it can make a massive impact. And it's been, you know, from a, a holistic view all the way down to the single, um, you know, 
faculty-student interaction has been radically changed for me. Stacy and I, we, we're not clinicians, no. but when we took the HP certificate, it's all about thinking about how it applies to your role. So there, in even if you are not, um, if, even if your role is not primarily in a classroom or you know responsible for creating an educational program, there's still a lot to take away. If you haven't had for, formal education training, still a lot to take away that will apply to your job, no matter what your role is. Faculty are busy people. Their life is crazy. Why should they make this a priority? Anyone who is going to be involved in teaching people in the health professions, knowing the science behind and the methods behind, the way to do that most effectively is really important. But there's another component to this, which is um, you can take all of these lessons, interpret it through your own lens, but at the end of the day, the students that you're going to be seeing, especially post-pandemic students, are so radically different. And if you don't have an excellent toolkit to fall back on when you go to interact with this entire new generation of learners, you're not going to know exactly what to do. And I think one of the reasons that we're seeing such frustration from clinical faculty across the board with this generation of learners is not because the generation of learners is radically different. The generation of learners has always been radically different. It's been that way since medical education, dental education, well, has, has existed. What is different now is that coming out of the post-pandemic world and having to do so much with so little, our, our current clinical educators don't have a toolkit that they can fall back on that would make it easier for them to do that job. With clinical care, they can fall back on what they learned in medical school, what they learned in residency, what their mentors taught them, what their colleagues are saying nationally. But health professions practitioners who are now working in education never had the basics of that toolkit established. So they naturally feel lost. They have decades of education in the clinical realm. They have virtually no education in the education realm. And so what that creates is this feedback loop where they feel lost. Their students and trainees come to them in a situation asking for help and guidance, they don't know what help and guidance to, have, to find to give them. The faculty feels lost and et cetera. And it's just like acidosis in a cold patient. Well, and you know, you're talking about your feedback loop and how we kind of get stuck in that pattern. And I've seen that in, in dental education and so many clinicians don't know what to do. They don't have those tools to, to, to be better educators you know, we can't keep doing what we did because things are different now. You know, like you mentioned, these, these learners are different. They're different people. They learn differently. And anyway, I think we owe it to them to, if we're going to accept this challenge to educate them, we owe it to them to develop that skill set and try to be better um, teachers and educators. One of the most useful things has been the ability to frame what we've learned in an with an educational way. And what I mean by that is when you apply education science to what we've learned and the way we've learned it, it's a very significant metacognitive ability that then lets you take what you've learned and apply it forward to, the, to a new generation of people 
such that you can understand the deficiencies in your own education. You're able to compare and contrast what true educational science looks like with what you received and then take those and then marry them together and create a product that would then enable someone to learn it better and hopefully um, use the tools that you've that you've been given to bring that kind of new marriage of you know educational knowledge and your own scientific background to the to this new generation of people and, and make it something that um, you know they can understand so something we like to do on the podcast is we always ask our guests to um, challenge our listeners to do something next week after they've heard this episode. What would that be? Consider your learners, know your audience, and tailor what you're trying to convey to meet their needs. Actually think about what they need. It's not about you and what you want to say. Think about your learners and how to best give them the information they need. I would challenge anyone that's listening to think about um, their own history at both giving and receiving health professions ed. Did the people that you learned from have any formal education as educators? Um, and what was your experience with that? And whenever I ask people that question, 90% of the time I get, no, they never had any, and it may or may not have been abysmal. So uh, the buck stops with uh, with us, and so... Uh, Let's uh, challenge you to go out and make yourself a better teacher, even if it's just read an article, listen to a podcast like you're doing now, something, uh, but make yourself a better teacher so that you can break the chain of bad teaching in HPE. Well, Russ, thank you so much for joining us on Faculty Feed. If you have any questions or any interest curious about HPE, the master's degree or the graduate certificate, feel free to contact me. I am the program director uh, out of the College of Education, and I would be happy to provide you any information that you may need. Join us next time on Faculty Feed as we talk to Dr. David Johnson from the University of Louisville School of Public Health and Information Sciences. David's an expert on teaching critical thinking, and he's developed some unique tools for assessing our effectiveness in this strategy. If you want to up your game or enhance your skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be. As together, we strive to make the University of Louisville a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to discover and connect. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional resources about today's episode. And feel free to contact us at factfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and come hungry.